1: Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, we've got a fantastic program in store for you today. We talk about Joe Dancy. He's uh, one of those experts in the energy law and economics world of things. We're going to talk a little solar power, a little wind energy, a little natural gas. In fact, they're using natural gas to capture bitcoins, to mine bitcoins. So a little bit interesting topic as we pontificate into the world of energy and currency, how that all works together. So then we talk about a little bit of an ethical argument for oil and gas, citing empowerment and building third world countries up. So excellent program today on the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. I'd like to thank you folks once again for joining us. And I don't know about you, but I'd like to get right into it today. So this is Joe Dancy, and Mr. Joe Dancy, he's got a couple different titles behind his name, so I don't wanna leave either one out, but he does some things for the University of Oklahoma and their College of Law Energy Center, and he also is a visiting professor at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. So we get a little bit of the Oklahoma perspective as well as that Texas perspective here when we're talking about wind, solar, oil and gas, natural gas, Bitcoin, all that different stuff. So, all right, there's a little bit more of a introductory for Mr. Joe Dancy, who's coming up right now.
2: Joe Dancy, visiting Professor, Southern Methodist University in
1: Dallas. Thank you very much for joining us here today on the program. I uh, wanted to talk about a few things energy related, but um, there was a post that you had on LinkedIn the other day that I thought was uh, just one of those fun bubblegum for the mind questions which had to do with capturing natural gas that is flared and mining bitcoins and putting it together that was a great that was a great little uh, pontification that I'm thinking somebody's working on it right now how did you explain how that came up
2: well, actually, one of my students in class, and there was actually a Wall Street Journal article, I think, last week or so on it. And apparently, uh, somebody in Canada with that you know was not near a pipeline uh, decided, you know, instead of flaring the gas, they would put a portable generator out in the middle of nowhere, generate um, electricity, run computers. I don't know anything other than the basic concepts of mining bitcoin but apparently the electricity is the main input and you know you get bitcoin and then you can monetize that and uh they were asking me what i thought of the concept and i i had lectured earlier in the semester about um there's some very interesting historical um proposals dealing with the u.s dollar and uh, believe it or not, back in the 30s, the uh, technocracy movement said, "Geez, you know, maybe our money ought to be backed by energy because energy is transferable across time, you know, versus gold or silver." And it came up again in the 1970s when we got went off the gold standard. Now we have a fiat currency that, gee, maybe the the U.S. dollar should be backed by energy. Which you know, it's you talk to economists, and you know, they you know, a lot of them.
1: I'll just interject right now. I've been told by multiple people over a couple highballs off the record that the economy and the dollar is backed by the military that can control the energy supply for the planet. Does that make sense? Boy, that makes a
2: lot of sense. I haven't really thought of that that way. uh,
1: So in essence, yeah, the, the money is backed by energy, but at the same time it's the people who have the mightiest military that can protect those energy supplies to keep current keep the riverbanks going if you will Um, that's what i was always kind of told by the high level economists like i said off the record type thing is that's it's the energy that keeps it going but then you also have to have something protecting that
2: yeah that's actually an excellent point and i do know i mean uh, the economy the global economy and u.s economy correlates really really closely with with uh, energy use and so i mean they you talk to the st- statisticians and they talk about correlation coefficients and r squared and everything else but it's like you know percent of the economic growth is explained by energy use and so it makes sense if you have you know the economy and the the economic argument for a a energy-backed dollar is that well, number one, we are an energy powerhouse, the United States, with you know, oil, coal, gas, you know, what have you, nuclear. Um, and number two, as your economy grows, you know, unlike a fiat currency where you don't know how fast to grow money supply, as your economy grows, you know, the use of energy grows, so you your essentially your money supply grows in a non-inflationary manner and this is all above my head my pay grade i'm but it's you listen to the arguments and it's very compelling and you realize you know based on the dollar we have now which is you know based on the trust of the u.s government um you you sort of wonder and of course you look overseas and a lot of currencies based on the trust of the government's you know have been severely depreciated in the past and lord knows I and mean, when i'm not advocating i'm just saying it was very interesting but this came up and like i said i just you know explained to my students that so geez this is a very interesting concept to take a essentially a waste product that then you do get a you're still getting a bunch of um we actually had a, a seminar uh, uh an executive seminar at the university of Oklahoma uh last week and one of the professors from the university of Michigan was talking about, you know, how disgraceful it was that we're still flaring natural gas and that, you know, the regulators ought to shut in all the wells and we ought to leave the stuff in the ground. And I, you know, half the people in the audience were, you know, ready to go up and whisper in his ear that, hey, you know, we've made, the North Dakota especially has made tremendous uh, steps forward dealing with getting the infrastructure built out, dealing with flared natural gas. The Permian also, they're working, you know, night and day to get this because it, it does have value and, and there are regulations in place limiting how long you can flare. But um, it, it is it's an interesting, the concept of generating electricity to make bitcoins. Now, the other question came up when I first started thinking about this a year or two ago, As was at a seminar and the uh the speakers was talking about how essentially you know bitcoin is just a a essentially is just energy <laughs> is what you're you know, is it, and you can convert it you know back and forth and monetize it and that you know where they supposedly quote mine this stuff is you know where they have really really cheap electricity a lot of times it's not even you know it's in the it's not even in the country it's somewhere else that uh uh, and so, yeah, that whole concept, I, I think it's pretty fascinating. Just, uh, now whether you can make money on it, you did, I did post it on LinkedIn. I'm sort of shocked how many, I mean, I have like 70 comments and people, everybody says, you know, you got everybody from skeptics that say, this is nuts to, people that say hey you know we're trying it at works call me here's my number
1: mr joe dancy i'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment we're going to take a quick pause and we come back we're going to continue the conversation with joe dancy he's an energy and law economics oil and gas natural resources expert for the University of Oklahoma College of Law Energy Center, as well as Southern Methodist University. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. i
3: guitar picking, tractors, trailers, trucks, or prison, man, it ain't a country song. I'd like them real cool, old school bar stool times, i drinking, line laughing, and So if your feet ain't stopping once a band starts rocking, then brother, it ain't country enough. if you hear it and it ain't stuck in your head all day it's got a pop back behind and it's sung the wrong way charlie daniels wouldn't dig it Hank jr say it sucks And brother it ain't country enough if instead of using english you use foreign words when a competition that you didn't deserve some furco wearing wannabe's producing your stuff and brother you ain't country enough historic
1: Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Joe Dancy, an energy expert with the University of Oklahoma College of Law Energy Center and visiting professor at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. This is Joe Dancy. Yeah,
2: you got everybody from skeptics that say this is nuts to... People that say, "Hey, you know, we're trying it; it works." Call me. Here's my number. Of course, you don't know. You know, they may be promoters too. But um, and I haven't followed up on any of this. Quite frankly, I won't. I, I, I just
1: don't find all adjuster. this this interesting because, I mean, it's this is a little bit deep for the oil and gas industry, but I'm going to dive in because we're talking about it here. I mean, if you go back to the origin of money, essentially, you know, and we're talking Egyptian times um the word you know isis actually i believe is is the god of money um but if you go in and, and if you put the the i s i s together that's where you got the dollar sign okay uh um, right. yeah the two s's and then the two i's for the dollar sign and then the whole idea of money of course is is, is what you're talking about energy it's it's the transfer of energy to where currency the word currency my understanding is came from the river came from the the flow of energy. And so much so that the word bank came from the word riverbank, because the banks were the ones that corralled and controlled the flow of the currency. And so when you look at money in a way that originated from the flow of energy, and the corral and the control of energy, when you bring it up to gold, when you bring it up to dollars, you know, gold and silver, the reason that that Was used as a backing of a currency is because it's such a good conductor of electricity because it's so malleable because of the properties behind it and the malleability behind it kings and armies and queens and everything everybody wanted it for a lot of different reasons. I mean, you can go back to the Egyptian days where they've got copper wire around clay pots that they used as batteries. So, I mean, the the, the idea of stored energy as currency has been around for a long time to where fast forward to today where we have cash. It's a promissory note. You look at the cash, that's a promissory note. You're promising this cash is gonna exchange energy. So I just went and worked 40 hours at the law office. Now I'm taking all these promissory notes of shared energy and I'm giving them to the uh, construction guy and he's gonna go take his energy and go build me a new gazebo. That's, that's, that's money right there. That's money right there. So when we bring it to Bitcoin, this is where I see my disconnect happening. Because I understand Bitcoin and blockchain. But when you're capturing flared gas and you're converting it to a generator, then that energy gets put into a computer, gets a stored energy for someone else at a later time, I don't know where that energy comes from because it's now in the – you know what I mean? It's now at the computer. So we're missing um, – we're we're burning energy somewhere with Bitcoin that there doesn't seem like there's going to be a return on the other end. So I'm still kind of questioning Bitcoin. Anyway, that, that, yeah. that that's what I mean. We're, we're diving in pretty deep, aren't we there, you, Mr. Joe yeah, Dancy? That's,
0: that's,
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is a good question. I mean, energy equals work is essentially – and so you're storing work. Though, like you say, you cannot store – Electricity, and it's interesting. The other interesting thing, Jason, over the last I'm teaching energy law course here and at uh, this spring, and uh, I've d- I've dived into solar quite a bit. And you hear everybody, you know, thinks we're going to replace it, you know, natural gas, coal, everything else, all the hydrocarbons with solar. And checking in, and every state is different. And of course, with with the the neat thing about Bitcoin is if you're running a generator in northern canada or you know northern north dakota there may not be an electric line where you can actually do an interconnect with to to sell the electricity so that's where the bitcoin you can actually generate the bitcoin without connecting to the electric grid um but with solar it's sort of interesting to see each state is different and at least in texas and oklahoma where i've actually gone talk to builders they 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 all sort of laugh and they said gee the only people that are putting these on their houses are the mcmansions the people and they're they're putting it on to make a statement because they said the economics even with this the huge tax credits um still don't work on a residential basis and
1: just not there huh
2: they're not there and actually they told me um you know each panel the little uh, is about a thousand dollars each i mean that's a rough so you go buy someone's house if they have 20 panels on it it probably cost them 20 grand and you know oklahoma anyway uh, some of the utilities will you know will hook you up to the grid but they won't pay you for any excess electricity so you can run your house so they the builders have told me if you're gonna design it design it so that you are not generating any excess electricity in fact you're using a little bit because any of the stuff that goes into the grid you will and of course you just can't tie into the grid you have to have an interconnect which means you have to have a contract you have to have them come out and and look at your system and the design so it's not cheap to stick on it's not cheap to install you're not going to get the electricity down here and i don't know about north dakota but i think you're in the same boat in fact i'm pretty sure you are because you're in the a lot of your states in the southwest power pool um electricity is so cheap that um it, it's difficult for solar to compete now if you're in hawaii where electricity is three times more expensive than solar might make, make make some sense or if you're off the grid um but in north the other interesting thing with solar um because i've checked with there's some northern michigan uh potential installations and one of the issues i have this, be same thing with north dakota as i've asked them and no one has really told me you know if you get 100 inches of snow or hell, if you even get 50 inches of snow or you just get cold you know do these things work when you know, how do you get the snow off them and uh, there's really no answer to that and and as you know if you if you have to go out and shovel the snow off your solar panels i mean that's just an additional cost that you have to deal with as well as i guarantee you you won't get all the snow off there or the ice so the efficiency is going to be lower and uh it's a pretty interesting it's an interesting concept but the numbers aren't there and it is sort of irritating to me being you know from the oil and gas and coal and nuclear sector the traditional is I guess uh, it is sort of um, irritating to hear you know all these folks promoting solar and promoting wind turbines which also uh, are not not quite there
1: yeah don't I get me started say, on wind I'm not a big fan yeah. of wind at all I've, I think <laughs> well we've gone We've gone so far backwards to where the farmers a hundred years ago still have us beat on wind energy. They, yep, yep. they they figured out a way to turn it into a well and extract water and you know make it useful for the purpose that they needed it, and it worked very well. The fact right. that we are trying to force the wind the way it is without a reclamation program. I mean these these wind turbines a lot of them they don't have any plans for when they're done so they're just going to be a graveyard remember those old barns you see on the side of the road looks like if a, <laughs> if, a if a leaf falls on it it's going to break that's going to yeah. be wind turbines and, Yeah, and, and, yeah yeah i mean think about
2: I, it i haven't even i haven't thought about that i have asked i've met with the uh osage uh, tribe with regard to they have a big lawsuit up there uh Dealing with wind turbines because the tribe owns the minerals on the, on the entire county. It used to be Osage Nation, now it's Osage County, and somebody put up a bunch of wind turbines and did not get permission to. When you put these up, because I mean, they're 400 feet in the sky, you have to dig a huge hole. And part of the they didn't get. You know, this the short story is the company did not get a permit from the um osage nation because they were interfering or dealing with the mineral rights because you start digging underground that's together and the court said and so the osage nation they were he's talking to some of the officials for off the record they were they were saying geez you know they put all this stuff up we told them to get a permit they didn't and you know geez i told them gee well now that they need a permit you can go in and charge them just ungodly amount of
1: Mr. Joe Dancy, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause, and we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Joe Dancy. He's an energy and law, economics, oil, and gas, natural resources expert for the University of Oklahoma College of Law Energy Center, as well as Southern Methodist University. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe.
0: Welcome back to the Multimedia
1: Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Joe Dancy, an energy expert with the University of Oklahoma College of Law Energy Center and visiting professor at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. This is Joe Dancy.
2: I told them, gee, well, now that they need a permit, you can go in and charge them just ungodly amount of money you know, annual, annual rental to, uh, for a lease. And he goes, or oh, he goes like, we can tell him to take them down. He goes, you know, those they're. he goes, it'll be incredibly expensive for them to remove all those, you know, wind turbines they put up without authorization, assuming the court upholds us. And it was interesting, just theoretically what's going to, what's going to happen. But the other thing, and you noted sort of, uh, in our discussions that wind and solar are so intermittent, it's not like you can rely on a wind turbine. You have to have a backup coal plant or backup natural gas plant. So, you know, it's a uh, it's an incredible inefficient um, use of resource. That uh, and of course the new don't I won't get you started on this. The new you know the green revolution that's being proposed by some of our politicians essentially is sort of just the electrification of the economy which is not all that bad but then you look at the lithium batteries you're going to have to and the salts and the copper, and and the inefficiency and the it's expense. it's getting
1: crazy we're it getting is crazy no we're getting in a world of crazy because i'm 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 joking that i'm the earth's champion now because the oil and gas industry is the only people trying to save the planet Everybody else is just pointing fingers and talking about how we got to get rid of oil and gas. I'm serious. It's it's crazy. When, yeah. when when you got a person talking about eliminating fossil fuels and then they serve you a coffee Keurig, I mean, are you kidding me? And then you've got the dapple protesters leaving behind the garbage that they left behind trying to talk about eliminating fossil fuels. That's, that's absolutely crazy. We've entered into a world where the fact that the narrative is starting with now we have to end fossil fuels that that's absolutely crazy. i mean like I'm i'm not exaggerating when i say that's crazy that is the definition of crazy because if we eliminated fossil fuels it would be the walking dead without zombies in three days it would be just <laughs> unbelievable chaos okay so just unpacking that statement the fact that any media outlet gives somebody with that platform or that That message of platform is remarkable to me uh, for the reasons you just said earlier too, which is, okay, let's talk wind and solar. Well, first of all, they're inefficient. They're gonna create a lot more work for people. And let's not forget, it's not even better for the environment because those lithium batteries and, and some of the minerals that we need to make those batteries, some of those mining practices are not the greatest. And those iPhones that you text everybody on that take 28 rare minerals, Sometimes the mining practices aren't the best there either. And the oil and gas industry has made not, I mean, it's coal and oil and gas has made such significant progress on cleaning up the environment that they almost have just steam coming out of these plants, plants and refineries now. I mean, steam to where they've collected so much of that to, to where it's like white steam coming out. That's remarkable. and so I I kind of started as a Stephen Colbert type joke that you know I'm gonna get myself a Brock Lesnar belt and I'm gonna go around and be the be the earth's champion because the oil and gas industry is the only people right now seriously trying to save the planet everybody else is just pointing fingers and and causing more problems in my opinion
2: that's a good point actually we in our energy law class too I uh Last year, I went out to the AES um, Shady Point plant here. It's on the Oklahoma Arkansas border. It's a coal plant, and they had a they had the generator. One of the two generators was working. It was in this is sort of the off season, so they had one one generator down. They were working doing the repairs on it. But out of the stack, Jason, you're exactly there. Wasn't even steam coming out. It was like, you know, they were operating, generating electricity, 100 uh, megawatts of electricity, which is 50 wind turbines going full blast is what the equivalent was you could not tell that the plant was operating you know if you looked at the stack or anywhere else you just it was quiet it was efficient um you know it was generating electricity for the southwest power pool in theory the electricity coming out of your socket because i think you're in the southwest power pool up there most of north dakota um <laughs> is is and uh, of course in reality it the it's what le- electrons are just like the, when you pour water into a stream, it will, it will go, you know, to the nearest, uh, nearest discharge or wherever. But, uh, in any event, it's sort of interesting to see how clean the coal plant was and the whole facility was beautiful. I mean, it was well-maintained. It was, it was not an eyesore. Uh, and it was a huge, wasn't a huge, they have huge jobs that they, which when you're in Eastern Oklahoma, the unemployment rate, um, well, last year was sixteen percent. I don't know what it is now, but it's you know eighty jobs in a high unemployment um, area is is significant. And and with regard to oil and gas, you know, saving the nation. I'm, well, one of the guys we had um, Zoom or Skype into our class. To saving the earth,
0: know.
1: not the nation. They're saving the saving earth. The yeah, earth. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, we, we all know the earth's the best planet in the universe, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it is. Uh, I had... Um, I mean, if we're going to we get bravado, we got to get bravado here.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had uh, Alex Epstein, who wrote the moral case for fossil fuel, and we talked for an hour. And it was interesting. You know, a lot of my students, it is, these are law students. They're, they're, they have undergrads and uh, all sorts of different... You know undergraduate degrees but you know this is the first time they really have heard from someone talking what just like you said about alex is making the argument that there is a moral case for fossil fuels for both you know the environment for food and what he said is and this was really struck me as the my takeaway i mean i've and i've read his book and i've talked to him in the past and i've we actually had him come down here to smu and put him Uh, At the Perot Museum, we brought there's about 300, probably the biggest hotshots in in Dallas in the energy sector and elsewhere. And he made a big presentation. But his his comment to one of the students was, you know, if you attack oil and gas and coal and hydrocarbons, essentially you're attacking the the um, the people in the world who need them most. The people that don't have you know clean water the people that don't have enough food they don't have transportation and so if you're going to bottle all that stuff up and make it more expensive with regulations that are unreasonable or your you know more expensive alternative fuels like solar or the people you hurt are the economic disadvantaged and he goes so when you hear these folks talking and marching around you know shut down the oil and gas industry essentially you know, what they're saying is, you know, we are we are, going to make the disadvantaged even more disadvantaged. And if you can afford it and you have a decent job, you know, it's going to be more expensive, but you can, you know, it's not going to impact you that much. And so he goes, it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting way to look at it. And, and thinking about it, I, I agree with them. That's a great, great
3: point.
1: Well, and I think too, not, I, I don't think getting rid of solar and wind is the answer. Like I said, farmers figured out a very Creative, effective way to harness wind energy. Now, in India, for example, they've figured out some great ways where on the um, busy city highways where the buses are just flying back and forth, they use the vertical corkscrew windmills. So that way, the buses moving back and forth are powering these wind turbines in between the highways constantly. And so, you know, there are some different ways, like a small wind turbine on a on a house is very efficient for some things and when I look at like solar hey it does a great job you know charging batteries and and doing you know some minor things around the house that uh, around your life that maybe you know can come in secondary or even a third energy source you know all these all these uh, I I devices they need charging and there's certain there's certain other things that do now where the problem comes is where we start with trying to say a city has to have it. And if a city doesn't do it, well, then it's not a very effective energy source. You know what I mean by that? To where I, I see a lot of these, you know, solar and wind have a place in the market, but I don't think it's to power a city. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's, that, that's how I kind of, I mean, if they're not even being able to really power the McMansions, how, do, how can you expect it to power a skyscraper? Mr. Joe Dancy, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause, and we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Joe Dancy. He's an energy and law, economics, oil, and gas, natural resources expert for the University of Oklahoma College of Law Energy Center, as well as Southern Methodist University. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Joe Dancy, an energy expert with the University of Oklahoma College of Law Energy Center and visiting professor at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. This is Joe Dancy. What's interesting
2: you mentioned that, it is the first city in Oklahoma that Apparently, as the city council has adopted a resolution to go 100% renewable, is Norman, Oklahoma, and of course it's a college town. It's probably and a number of people. This went nuts and said, "Well, number one, yeah, they're they, they're they don't have the capacity yet to power an entire town with renewables, and number two, you know the and of course this is by 2025 or something, so it's or 2030, so it's 10 years out. But and it is a you know, I mean, it's a it's a I guess a, as a goal, I understand that if it's economically done, but, you know, a number of folks were like, you know, they were, well, number one, a number of folk, environmentalists were wildly enthusiastic for it, but a number of, you know, more realistic folks said, gee, I own a house here, and if my electricity bill doubles because we're doing renewables based on a mandate by a city, you know, this is, it, it, it's interesting, it, it creates some conflict, and, uh, of course, going forward, they can always change the mandate or change the date. But uh, I thought that was that was quite quite interesting, especially for a state as conservative as Oklahoma and as as oil and gas based. I mean, it is it's fun in both Texas and Oklahoma and North Dakota to work work in because the people there, for the most part, totally understand how much value whether you're a mineral owner, whether you're a worker, whether you own a company they or whether a pipeline you realize how valuable this stuff is to the economy and to you personally and uh anyway to see a city of in norman oklahoma decide that gee we're going to go total renewable i mean that's great but number one the numbers aren't there and either is the capacity and it's going to be expensive as heck so it's going to be exciting to see but um it'll be exciting to see
1: yeah yeah i've, I've played a baseball in Norman um yeah okay. yeah been it's, down to an AAU tournament back in my youth day we um it, we, we got beat pretty good <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. a great city it's, a, it's,
2: a, great, it it's is. a great it's a great college in fact
1: probably my best memory from that trip was we got to go stand on the 50 yard line at the University of Oklahoma's Sooners Stadium and yep, um yep. that's that's incredible I mean I've been at the big house and uh uh was it michigan that's that's i mean uh penn state uh happy happy valley out in penn state and you know you're talking about a hundred thousand people that come into these arenas and and so at the time i was living in fargo and i'm going wow that's the city of fargo here (laughs) like that's the whole city in this in this arena you know what i mean like
2: wow yeah Uh,
1: it's interesting
2: uh it, it, it is interesting too. the uh this is a sidelight we were and this has come up in the last month or two the students were talking about induced seismic the uh and oil and gas and i said gee you know there is someone in our in our in our engineering department one of the seismologists pulled out some seismic equipment and they actually measured when ou scored a touchdown there's enough people jumping around you can actually it is it has the equivalent of a very small induced seismic oil and gas event And I thought that was quite interesting and told them, geez, you know, we probably should go out and protest the football team and say, you know, we, don't want any induced seismic events around Oklahoma so we shouldn't be playing football here in Norman and I said just you know don't use my name when you go protest because it's football is quite popular as you can imagine oh it's like yeah ice, it's like ice hockey is up at uh, University of North Dakota
1: so mm-hmm. anyway yeah well and, of course uh, my alumni North Dakota State University seven time division two or division one double I forget what it is I call it division two it's division one Double uh championships you know football we've uh, 7 years in a row now down in Frisco Texas we come down there and uh drink the town dry uh 2 years i think the first 2 years they li- literally ran out of alcohol um <laughs> i'm serious yeah that was uh, that was like an issue for 2 years in a row and the second year was so funny cuz they're like we're ready for you and then we drank them dry again uh, so yeah, proud to be up. they're a good
2: team i've yeah. seen them on tv quite a bit in the playoffs it's fun uh, and it's fun and it's interesting, uh, of course, when you when you have a team from the north, just the ability to to practice with the, uh, yeah, with the weather you have up there versus you have the southern teams, and you can pretty much, you're in Oklahoma or Texas or Florida or Louisiana, you can practice all year round, you know, and uh, and stay in you know, stay in coordination. But when you're when you're up where you're at, the uh, yeah, the ability to get outside and.
1: It's expensive, shape.
2: oh, it's expensive, well, it's, you got to uh, keep the like you know we,
1: we've got a dome, but it it's not free to keep the dome open, oh, you know, no, no. and you know t- down south, you can just go outside, yep, you know i yep. mean you you don't have to pay for heat and air conditioning and all that other stuff, and although during the summer months you can't do too much outside uh too much heat, but uh, anyway, right, so okay, uh before we get running here, I'd like to get an update, just kind of uh what your latest trade shows have been we've talked uh let's see the last time you're at nape and then we talked about the drones in the uh oil field just uh kind of what what have you been uh, uh i guess absorbing over the past 30 days with your wheel-ins and deal and trade shows and and talk and presentations
2: well we had we had our online students in norman uh, they it was a 15-month program they come in for one week and what i do is i bring in experts that instead uh, of listening to me lecture for five days in a row because they listened to me online lecturing uh, i brought some folks in and uh the bottom line is that nothing really new or exciting uh, the spears and associates the uh, consulting firm out of tulsa you know gave some interesting presentations dealing with drilling uh, activity and they think well number one they there won't be an explosion in prices or drilling activity, but they think going forward from here on to the rest of the year, there's going to be a mild upward trend in both activity and prices, which is positive. Uh, and they uh, also, I guess there's I, <laughs> the other big thing that I took away. And actually I had a speaker in my class last week or this week, I guess on, and I really, th- well, I've thought about this, but I really haven't looked and I wanted to show the students, uh, the big area that's sort of overlooked is the midstream the natural gas liquids area where we're promoting or producing so much more natural gas liquids and as the speaker noted you know it's sort of an area where most producers you don't go in looking for natural gas liquids but when you have this little niche you can you know it's a great niche because you don't have that much competition you can make a boatload of money you know processing that stuff the exports jason going out of going out of houston are incredible i mean are going straight through the roof the chemical plants and and so marathon just announced they're they're modifying their texas city refinery and they're spending two billion dollars to be able to process more of the u.s you know lighter crews and the natural gas liquids into into saleable products and so the students really got an eye opener. Of course, you have, you have a natural gas liquids plant, and you you also need the associated you know pipelines, transportation, export contracts, and and so. And from what I've heard, and talking to people, and talking to the the experts that were you know making the presentation, the you know, the natural gas liquids boom is not going to be over anytime soon.
1: To listen to the full length interview with Joe Dancy with the University of Oklahoma College of Law Energy Center and visiting professor from Southern Methodist University. Visit the CrudeLife.com. That's the CrudeLife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. We'd like you to check us out on Facebook and Twitter, all of our social media links. If you add them up, is 350,000 followers. Right there at the CrudeLife.com. Click on the social media tab. Also, past exclusive interviews all kinds of different things at crudelife.com and the Multimedia Cafe as part of that network. That's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank everybody listening to us on the radio. We'll be back tomorrow at this time on this radio station. For those of you streaming us on the internet, thank you very much as well. There's a bunch of different places, a million, gajillion, kachillion different options out there for your content. And we appreciate it very much for you choosing the Multimedia Cafe, and the Crude Life Media Network. From the staff at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice.